Now, studying about Joseph, I said before, but the Bible will show somebody warts and all. It'll show the failings as well as it shows the victory. But when it shows the victory, it shows the victory in light of God's hand in their life. When you see David, you see David's victory over Goliath, but you know that it's God's hand that placed that stone, that guided that stone to Goliath's head. You see how David wasn't equipped because he couldn't even wear the armor that Saul tried to give him. He said, it's not proven. It won't be able to move. He could have used a sword, but he couldn't use somebody else's sword. God just used what David had and gave him the victory. But the Bible doesn't hesitate to show us David's failing in the matter of Bathsheba. The Bible doesn't hesitate to show us what happens in David's life after that, how he's not able to chastise his own sons and what begins to take place after that. The Bible's not afraid that when you go back further, we see Moses, and I've always seen him this way, but after 40 years, he starts out on the right hand of Pharaoh and he's ready to deliver the people. And, and there's just this process that takes place, this taking and breaking and making of the man. God will take a man, and then he'll break him of all the things that are of himself, and then he'll remake that man into somebody that he can use. And we see that in Moses' life when, when he is on the right hand of Pharaoh, when he's Pharaoh's son, and he goes down to visit the people, and he sees the Egyptian beating the, the Israelite. And then he kills that Egyptian thinking to help his brethren. But then when he goes back, they reject him. We see that, the type of Christ there in all of these pictures too. But we see Moses in chapter number three. After 40 years on the backside of the desert, he's keeping his father-in-law's sheep. He doesn't have a herd of his own. But he's just kind of resigned to what he has. He's broken of everything that was him. He was broken of all of the all that he had gained while he was the son of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, the son of Pharaoh. He, had, he was broken of all of that. And he had given up any idea of even going back to Egypt and anything to do with rescuing the people. And that's the point where God comes to him and it's kind of like, I can use you now. And when you read through chapter three, I, I kind of see somebody that's, that's kind of pulling back. God says, I'm going to send you to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh to set my people free. And Moses begins to pull back and he says, well, there's this. I'm not well spoken. He said, I'll send Aaron. He said, said, what will I tell him? And God gives him some signs and miracles to show. And God begins to remake Moses into somebody that doesn't rely on himself but relies on God. But he doesn't fail to show Moses' failings, warts and all. And we see Moses getting angry with the Israelites because time after time, when they said, you know, we're, we're hungry, we thirst, you brought us out of here to kill us. And he finally, he gets angry and he goes to God and he prays and God gives him the answer. But Moses somehow skips over what God says. God said to speak to the rock and Moses said, must we fetch you water out of this rock. And then he strikes the rock twice. The water comes out. God fulfills a miracle, but he didn't do what God had said. God punished him. So the Bible will show warts and all. 
But when we come to Joseph and you read the story of Joseph, we don't see any warts in his life. We know that Joseph wasn't perfect. We know that there may have been times in his life when he doubted. There may have been times of frustration. There may have been lies that he told. There may have been something that went on in his life. But the Bible doesn't tell us about any of that. We've been looking at the life of Joseph and and we saw his family and we saw Jacob's uh, back and forth with Laban and and gaining four wives (laughs) within him short matter of time. We see the conflict between the kids there. We see what his older brothers did in killing the men of the city and tricking them. And we just see that kind of conflict that goes on. And in all of this, Joseph, he, he, he kind of maintains his integrity. And there's some preachers that will say, well, he just had a lot of pride when he went, you know, and he, he goes to his brothers and he's telling them he's going to rule over them. I just don't go along with that camp. I I don't go along with that school because I think Joseph in his heart, I think he was naive. You know, there's some things that you learned as you, and I'm talking like this is just a Bible study now. I I think Joseph was a little naive. I I don't think he was really being prideful. I don't think he was saying, I'm going to be ruling over you guys one day, you know. But Joseph has been lifted up by his dad. There's going to be a lack of understanding about what his brothers are actually seeing about him. And uh, I think he was just a little naive when he went to him and said, I had another dream. I think he was just trying to tell him about a dream. (laughs) I think God was telling him, that's right, this is going to happen. And when they said, well, we're not going to have you to rule over us. And there we see another type of Christ. We see him rejected by his brothers. And go on away. And we see this through his life. And uh, we, we see more of his purity in chapter number 39. When he's sold to Potiphar and he's over his household and he begins to, there's, there's things that he learns throughout all of these circumstances that take place. If, if he'd have been lifted up right away, if he'd have been put on the right hand of Pharaoh right away, where do you think his head would have been? But God uses those circumstances, and I think he uses those circumstances in our own lives. I think he puts us in a place. He'll break you of the things that are keeping you from God. And if you truly want to serve God, if God's called you, he'll put you in a place where you can look nowhere else but up. And Joseph, when he was was taken away and sold into slavery, he, he still kind of got in a spot where he was lifted up. He, he learned administration. He was taking care of Potiphar's things. And he was taking care of his household. We really don't know how long he had been there, maybe a couple years. But then he gets betrayed by Potiphar's wife, and that's where we looked last week. And uh, we really see into his character in chapter 39, verse number 9. Because Potiphar's wife, she's... This has been going on for a while. She's been making eyes at him, whatever. But it comes to a point where she puts him in a spot where he has to make a decision. Whatever the temptation was, he fled from it. He fled from it because he wasn't going to do what she wanted him to do. So in, in verse number nine, this is very telling. It says, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. 
So the first reason that he gives is justice. This is just plain wrong. Your husband has put me in charge of everything. The only thing he's kept back from me is you. And he, he didn't want to do that against Potiphar. He had a sense of justice. He, he had a sense of right and wrong. He wasn't about to do that. He wasn't going to gratify himself and violate the trust that had been placed into him. And then he gives a second reason. And this is the best one. And this, and, and I was thinking about Joseph and I was thinking about the things that he was going through and I was thinking about how the, we, we don't see his flaws. The only flaw we kind of see is where when later in life he, he puts his brothers in jail and he kind of puts them through misery for a long time by sending them back and putting the cup into the bag. You know the story, hopefully. But he puts the cup into the bag. He, gets, he sets them up for trouble. He could have just had them executed. I think he could have just seen them and said, just, oh, kill them. Be done with it. You guys put me through all of this. He could have done that. But the, we also see a conviction in his heart and just when he just reveals everything to them. And it's in tears. He has love for his brothers in spite of what they did for him. So we see this path that Joseph takes. I don't think it was necessary to show the bad things in Joseph's life. I think the Bible was showing us the path we can take to get through those rough times. And I say all of that because the second one is the most important here in chapter number 39, verse number 7. Is it uh, verse number 9? He said, how then? And he's talking to Potiphar's wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin? Not against Potiphar, but against God. That's what needs to regulate our lives. In anything that we do, there's character. As I've grown older, older in my life and I've looked back, I said, there are some low character moments in my life when I look back. There are some times when I've made wrong decisions based on the wrong motive. And I know that, doesn't, that hadn't happened to anybody else in here. I understand that. But in my, in my own life, I've looked back and I said, you know, I've reached a point where I could go here or I could go here, and I went here. Instead of running away, I ran to it. So it's not necessary to show us anything where Joseph warts and all, but God shows us how Joseph was faithful to follow God through all of this. That's what got him through it. He has no idea what God had in store for him. By the time he's sold off into slavery, it's like, well, that must not have been the meaning of those dreams. <laughs> so much for those dreams. I don't think he was plotting. I don't think he was saying, oh, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be the head of Potiphar's house. I think he just Potiphar told him to take care of something over here, and he took care of it to the best of his ability, where the other one shirked it, and he just took care of it. And Potiphar, go ahead and have him take care of this too. And by the time it's done, he's taking care of the whole household, simply because he's following those two things. Justice, doing the right thing. He's got the character not to go against Potiphar. And most of all, he has a fear and a reverence of God. That's one of the things that we seem to miss 
a lot these days is a fear and a reverence of God. There's a lot of irreverence toward God. And as a matter of fact, they get lifted up, an irreverent comedy or something like that, somewhere where they make jokes about God. But as Christians, that ought, it ought not be so. That ought not be the things that we go to. So in your own, in your own life, bad things may happen. And there are people that turn against God when there's bad things that happen. There's people that have lost children that have gotten mad at God. A woman lost her child and a preacher came over and, and she said, where was God when my child died? And the preacher said he was in the same place he was when his son died. And he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. <laughs> he sacrificed his own son. He knows the pain of loss. They say, where, where is God and all the evil in this world? I, I've thought about it. You know, evil will happen to somebody, somebody that's following the Lord, somebody that's going to church. I, I learned about a woman whose, whose husband had cheated on her. He, he uh, embezzled from his company, and he tried to hire hitmen to kill his wife. And one of them, he finally got one to do it after they quit bleeding money off of him. And she got shot in the head, and... She lost an eye, but she survived. And she gave God the glory. I mean, bad things are going to happen in life, but we under, it's an understanding. We don't know, you know, there's people that don't turn to God when all these bad things are happening. They wonder why bad things keep happening. There's other people that turn to God and understand that he has a plan for their life. That he's, he has events in motion. We don't know what they are. We don't know what the circumstances are. But if you regulate your life, if you say this is right to do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and this is wrong to do this sin against God. You remember when David was called out, Nathan said, thou art the man. And he said, I have sinned against God. That fear and that reverence of God in your life. But he said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And even though he did right, <laughs> I read a commentary. I think it was John Phillips. He said it was a coat that got him thrown into the pit <laughs> and a coat that got him thrown into prison. Because when he ran, he left his garment in her hand. He wasn't about to be stopped. She wasn't about to have a chance to talk him into anything. He got out of there. And then she used that against him and put him into prison. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead, but you realize when he's, on the, he's standing there in front of Pharaoh, I'm just bringing this up because it's the picture. The opportunities that, opportunities that he may have had when he's standing there before Pharaoh, and we'll talk about that next week, but he's, he's translating the dream. He's telling him what the dream is as God gives it to him. He doesn't take credit for it. He lets him know that interpretations belong to God. But he gives him the interpretation of the dream. And Pharaoh instantly, within the hour, he goes from being a prisoner to being on the right hand of Pharaoh. And can you imagine at that moment when he got promoted that Potiphar, he was, part, he was the head of the guard, was probably standing right there. He paints the picture, Potiphar goes home. 
Yeah. Well, what's up? You remember Joseph? You remember that, that slave we had? Whatever his name was in Egypt. But you remember, you remember that slave we had that had molested you? Oh, yeah, I remember him. He's still in prison, right? No, he's my boss. I mean, the opportunities that Joseph had, but he had the justice and he was following God. Now he gets thrown into the prison house. And while he was there, verse 21, he'd been wrongly accused. He's rejected by man. He's put away by man. And man lied against him and put him into prison. But, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. So many people can, can look at the Bible. They see a book of stories. They see a book of rules. They see different things. Some see it as a book of oppression. But to me, the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is our link to God. It's what shows us how God operates. It's understanding that. It says while he is in that prison, the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. It didn't say Joseph worked himself up, worked his way up. It wasn't under his own power, but it was trusting the Lord. It was doing what was right. The keeper of the prison, maybe he was trying to figure out some accounting one day or something, and Joseph was standing there, and he said, well, if you carry the one over. Oh, you're good at the math? I don't know. Maybe he just saw how well he took care of the floor when he was sweeping. Maybe it was he saw how good the laundry was taken care of. But whatever it was, God moved on the jailer's heart, and he began to promote him. And promoting. In this prison, there's things that happen to us in our lives that can put us into our own little prison. And you know, and there's prisons of oppression. There's things that may have happened in your life that somebody may have done to you. It throws you into that prison of oppression. Y'all follow me on this? That's probably a question. That I, it's a question I hate to ask, but sometimes I just want to pause a minute and, and, and did I lose you down the road? Because there are times we can put ourselves in that own, our own prison of oppression. It can, it can bind us up. It can hold us back. It can keep us from looking toward God. It can keep us bound up down in the dark. But it's it's that eye on the Lord that pulls you through it. That's that lesson I was talking about. There's this thread all the way through Joseph's life. He's he's unjustly accused. He's unjustly cast away. Or there's something that happened that wasn't fair to him. And he's, he's sold into slavery. But God's still with him in that. He's bound and put into prison. But God is still with him through that. And then he's promoted onto the right hand of Pharaoh. And God is with him through that. But it's, it's not where he was, it's who he was following. I don't know, I wrote these words down, but talk, try to figure out too much how people can be oppressed. Something I've dealt with is depression. Something that I've dealt with is doubt. 
There's, there's some things that you deal with and you can bind yourself up in the prison of those things. And you can not pay attention to what you're doing. You could, you could just become so bound up in it, you, you just don't even take care of what's in front of you. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Joseph had the broom in front of him. He took care of it. He had no idea what God's plan was. He had no idea what God had in mind for him. He just knew where he was. And in all of that, you know, he quit worrying so much about what he was supposed to be doing. I think he quit worrying about the sheaves bowing down to him. And I think he just worried about doing right by his Lord and Savior. I think he quit worrying so much about what Potiphar did. And he said, I am where I am. And he did what God had in front of him. And God used that to make him and to grow him. Because by the time he gets on the right hand of Pharaoh, he's been an administrator in the house. He's been an administrator in the prison. And, and uh, he's, he's helped his father with administration. All these things have led him up to where God could use him. The making of the man. It's a place of obscurity. Sometimes God will put you in a place and you think you ought to be someplace where everybody can see you doing something. But God sees you in the little things. It's, it's the, the times in your word. It's the times with your, with your children. It's the times with your family. What do you do in the little things in your life? And that's Joseph. Followed the Lord in all of those little things that he did. And it showed in his character, and it showed in God promoting him. So there's the obscurity. And so many people wait, and they say, well, well, when this happens, then I'll do better. When this happens, then, then I'll follow God. I'll, I'll do better. But we need to do right where we are. The prison was also an opportunity. Sometimes just the act of slowing down, just the act of being bound up and only being able to look at the Lord. Uh, I think about my lifetime. You know how we acquire things over time? How you acquire items, your garage gets full. I mean, I happen to everybody here, but <laughs> you tend to collect things. And in truth, those things kind of keep you from doing what you should be doing or what you really want to do, you know? I've, I've, uh, I've looked at things, and when I, when, we, when I first took the church over here in this middle room, there was a. There, there were things from 1991, from something a previous church had done as a church carnival or whatever. You know, you put your head in a hole and somebody hits you with a watermelon or something. <laughs> but that wasn't all. I mean, there was two pianos over here. One of them had a family of squirrels in it. There was. There was a ton of arts and crafts, you know, I mean, just that were just going bad. There were papers, you know, there was cardboard cutouts from different things that, hey, we might need this. You know, and I, I kind of adopted this whole thing of if I catch myself saying I might, 
then I probably need to just get rid of it because I don't know if might ever comes a lot of times. But what I'm trying to say is Joseph reached a point to where the only possession he had was his relationship with God. And sometimes God will put us in that spot to where all of that stuff doesn't matter. And all of this, all of this stuff in our lives that we may be putting up there, we may, we may be getting into soccer, I don't know, maybe getting into soccer, maybe getting in, whatever. I don't know. But you catch yourself so busy. It's like, well, I'll spend time with the Lord when I got more time, or I'll, I'll do this when I have more time. And God puts you in that spot where all you can do is look at him and you just realize how unnecessary everything else is. And it's an opportunity to just realize God's presence and how satisfying that is, just being in the presence of God. It was an opportunity to know God's providence because it's not the plan that Joseph would have made for his life. I mean, really, if we were to draw the plan out, we would say, well, God, you know, if this is what you want to do. You know, if God asks you, right, he never does. But if he asked me, it's like, well, you know, I would learn a lot from my father Jacob, and we would go to Egypt, and Pharaoh would offer me to help him, and I would say, yeah, I'll help you with this. <laughs> you know, or maybe not even envision that big. He would just see what he would do with his family. But God had so much more for him to do. We get caught up so much with the things around us. I, I told my kids, I said, these things, when I walk by them, you know, they say, hey, this is a hobby you wanted to do. Hey, remember when you were going to fix me? <laughs> hey, remember when you were going to learn this? When you, you're going to, yeah, I, I, get, I might get to that one day. And these things, they, they grab at you. But when they're all taken away, you realize none of them mattered. That presence with God and seeing God's providence in your life. You know, you might not have planned on losing a job. You wouldn't have picked it that way. But by the time you come through the other side, it's like, man, God really did work. I told Didi this morning, you know, I'd, I'd been looking through it. There was a there was a time when I'd lost a job with one company uh, doing the water treatment and delivering the bottles, and I'd lost that job. But because I lost that, it just the timing was so perfect. Had I not lost it, I wouldn't have applied for this other one, but I ended, up apply, I ended up getting a way better job than I had here, you know. And you just see God's hand in that, God's providence. You also see God's purposes. Joseph realized that the purpose wasn't to punish him. The purpose wasn't to imprison him or to God's purpose. God had a greater purpose, and that purpose is covered over here. He says, "You meant it, whereas you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, that I could save much people alive. Joseph wasn't only there for his family. Joseph was there for all of Egypt, not just all of Egypt, but for all of the world at that time. Because God had put him through that, God put him in a place where he was able to help many people instead of not only his family. 
You see God's purposes, but you also see God's power and the way God preserved him through all of those things that happened under oppression. I miss this, but, you know, Satan will whisper into your mind in that, those oppression moments, you know, you aren't cut out for this. This isn't for you. He'll beat you up. He'll tell you this, this isn't where you're supposed to be or you've made a wrong decision here. Look what you're doing. And he'll whisper to you, but where's your faith? Is it in the Lord or are you listening to those voices?